Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. Well, we are approaching the spring feast uh, here sooner than we think. Uh, It always comes up pretty quickly once we get to February. But last year, uh, in the month of February, when it became time, we observed... Uh, or acknowledge the festival of Purim. Now, Purim, if you don't know, uh, it's not a commanded uh, feast uh, like the seven feasts uh, throughout the Bible, but it is mentioned in the Bible and it has been observed traditionally uh, by the Jewish people. Now, the festival of Purim, which is also known as the festival of Lot's, uh, it's a Jewish holiday which commemorates the saving of the Jewish people from Haman, uh, who was a Persian Empire official who was planning to kill all the Jews, um, but was thwarted by Mordecai and his cousin Esther, who also became queen of Persia. Now, if you go to Esther chapter 9, looking at verse 22, here's kind of... Uh, the description of Purim, because on those days the Jews rid themselves of their enemies, and it was a month which was turned from grief to joy, from mourning into a holiday, that they were to make them days of feasting and rejoicing and sending portions of food to one another and gifts to the poor. And the way this has been uh, acknowledged and commemorated is that the book of Esther has been read aloud. Uh, I think twice is the tradition, once in the morning and once in the evening. A couple of cool things to acknowledge about the book of Esther. Number one, it's it, the name of God does not appear. God is actually never mentioned or referred to in this book, which is uh, kind of strange. There's a lot of theories about why that is, but the truth is we don't know. Uh, the second thing to acknowledge is uh, Esther. That's actually not her real name. Uh, this Esther, it, it's actually a story about a Hebrew woman in Persia known as Hadassah. But we re- we've always referred to her as, uh, as Esther. Again, lots of theories about why that is. Uh, and there, the uh, as far as the scriptures itself... The Septuagint version of Esther actually includes six extra chapters. Now, the Septuagint was the Bible that was most commonly, it was the canon of the day during the time of Jesus and the disciples. In fact, there's evidence and proof that sometimes when Scripture is quoted in the New Testament, it's quoted directly out of the Septuagint version. Uh, So it's not like it was some obscure version. It was the most common uh, translation that was circulating at that time as far as like a canonized version of the Bible. And it includes six additional chapters of the book of Esther, uh, including a dream by Mordecai and um, some other cool things. Uh, Last year what we did is we read the book of Esther as it's in our Bibles and then we also read it again from the Septuagint version. So, Lord willing, that'll be what we try to accomplish this week. 
Alright, so now that you got a background, uh, you know a little bit about the Book of Esther, you know... Uh, oh, the other thing to, to note is the king, or the king of Persia, uh, historically has been identified... So his name is Ahasuerus, but historically he's been identified as the King Xerxes. So the famous Persian King Xerxes who had conquered, like, basically the known world at the time. Um, the movie 300 is based off of that time period when King Xerxes was literally held off by 300, right? So, that's who it's believed that it's dealing with. Uh, we don't know for sure, uh, but that's that's kind of a very common historical uh, thought. Alright, the goal this morning uh, will be to read about half of the book of Esther, and then we'll read the other half later on this week, and then hopefully we can get to the Septuagint version. version. Worst case scenario, if I can't get time to do the Septuagint version, I'll just rebroadcast our, our study in it from last year. Okay. Without further delay, we're going to use the King James Bible. Let's read the book of Esther. Half today, and hopefully half on Wednesday. I pray that you'll be blessed by it. And uh, that it's going to speak to you. One of the themes that we've talked about a lot this year is how in the book of Proverbs and in the Psalms it talks about how the wicked lay traps for the righteous. And they fall into them themselves. They lay these snares. They, lay, they, they, they plot these evil things for God's people. And they find themselves entangled in them. Right now, in the times that we are living in, the enemy is digging ditches. But I believe, because of God's faithfulness faithfulness to his people, that we will witness the wicked fall into these traps themselves. And the book of Esther is a story about that very thing. So let's read. King James Bible, chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus. This is Ahasuerus which reigned over India, even unto Ethiopia, over a hundred and seven and twenty provinces. That in those days when the king Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the palace, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all the princes, his servants, the power of Persia and Media, the nobles and princes of the province being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even a hundred and fourscore days. And when these days were expired, the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan, the palace, both unto great and small, seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace, where were white, green, and blue hangings, fastens with cords of fine linen, and purple and silver rings, and pillars of marbles. The beds were of gold and silver upon the pavement of red, and blue and white and black marble. And they gave them drink and vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another, and royal wine in abundance according to the state of the king. 
and the drinking was according to the law, none did compel. For so the king had appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. Also Vashti, the queen, made a feast for the women in the royal house, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. And on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mahuman, Bitzta, Harbona, Bigtha, Abakatha, Zethar, and Carcass, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king, to bring Vashti the queen before the king with the crown royal, to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But Queen Vashti refused to come to the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his, and his anger burned within him. All right, let's take a minute. First off, King Xerxes, or I see I just called him King Xerxes. King Ahasuerus was throwing this massive celebration that went on like six months, okay? And at the end of it, he has this big, huge to-do, right? I mean, each of the princes and stuff are given a golden cup to drink wine out of. Each golden cup is, like, different from the other. Golden beds, like, just... I mean, just imagine the most extravagant party ever thought of that's thrown to show the just the majesty and the power of Persia in this celebration. Now, the king had this um, just incredibly beautiful wife. Now, a lot of times when this is read, especially by Christians, it's, it's made out to be, especially by American Christians in modern times, it's made out to be like Ahasuerus is doing this terrible, scandalous thing that he wants his wife to come out and like do some type of sexual performance or something in front of everyone. That, and that is not what the scriptures are saying at all. It's Actually, it's a celebration of her and her beauty. If you look, it says that he commanded that Vashti the queen be brought before him with the crown royal. So in other words, this is a big celebration of her and her beauty. She was beautiful. He wanted to show off the, his beautiful wife and have her brought in with the crown royal. So it's really, if in the context of the scripture, it's really just a celebration of her and her beauty, but she refuses to come for whatever reason. And of course, this sets the king off and it sets the stage for what's going to happen next. Verse 13. Then the king said to the wise men, which knew the times, for so was the king's manner towards all that knew the law and judgment. And the next unto him was Karshania, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Merez, Marcina, and Mimicon, the servant princes of Persia and Media, which saw the king's face, and which sat first in the kingdom. What shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to the law? Because she hath not performed the commandment of the king Ahasuerus by the chamberlains. And Mimicon answered before the king and the princes, Vashti the queen hath not done wrong to the king only but also to the princes and to all the people that are in the provinces of King Ahasuerus. 
For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes. When it shall be reported, the king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say, This day unto all the king's princes which have heard of the deed of the queen, thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it not be altered, that Vashti came no more before the king Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. And when the king's decree he shall make shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great. All the wives shall be shall give to their husbands honor, both great and small. And saying the saying pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Mimikon. For he sent letters into all the king's provinces, into every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, that every man should bear rule in his own house, and that it should be published according to the language of every people. Chapter 2 After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti, and what she had done, and what was decreed against her. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of the kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace, to the house of the women, unto custody of Hegi the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things be purification be given them. And let the maiden which pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti, and the thing pleased the king, and he did so. Now in Shushan the palace there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jar, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity which had been carried away with Jeconath king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon had carried away. And he brought up Hadassah, that is, Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. And the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So it came to pass, when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace, to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him. And he speedily gave her things for purification, which such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens which were to meet to be given her, out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. So please note, Esther, one of the most beautiful women in the land, is gathered with the other young virgins, and she's being given special favor by the by the like the leader of the women's house. As far as purification and and all of that is concerned, but she has not revealed that she is of Hebrew descent. 
Mordecai had warned her to kind of keep that to herself. Okay. So Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. And Mordecai walked every day before the court on the woman's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Now when every maid's turn was come to go to the king go to King Ahasuerus, after that she had been twelve months according to the manner of women, for so there were days of their purifications accomplished, to wit six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with sweet odors, and with other things for the purifying of the women. So please note, this is a 12-month process before they're even brought to the king. Imagine that. Verse 13, Then thus came every maiden unto the king, whatsoever she desired was given to her to go with her out of the house of women unto the king's house. In the evening she went, and on the second morrow she and on the morrow she returned into the second house of the women to the custody of Shahagas, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubines. She came in unto the king no more, except the king delighted in her, and that she were called by name. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Ahibanel, the uncle, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the king, she required nothing but what Haggai the king chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all of them that looked upon her. So Esther was taken unto the king Ahasuerus, into the house royal, in the tenth month, which is the month to Beth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast unto all his princes and his servants, even Esther's feast, and made a release to the provinces and gave gifts according to the state of the king. And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, then Mordecai sat in the king's gate. Esther had not showed her kindred nor her people, as Mordecai had charged her, for Esther did not did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. In those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Bigthan and Teresa, of those which kept the door were wroth and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And a thing was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther the queen, and Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when the inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out. Therefore they were both hanged on a tree, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. And that's the end of chapter 2. Let's kind of recap that a little bit. So it's telling. So Esther is selected as queen. Mordecai, who overhears, uh, he actually works in the palace. Um, he sits at the king's gate. And he overheard two of the king's chamberlains who were, for whatever reason, angry with the king and were plotting to kill him. So he lets Esther in on that. And then Esther tells the king. And so, you can imagine the favor that Mordecai and Esther would gain in the king's eyes, right? And it was says it's recorded in the Chronicles of the King, 
Let's move on to chapter 3. After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, and Agite, and advanced him to set his seat above all the princes that were with him. All of the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed reverence to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him, but Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Then the king's servants, which were in the king's gate, said to Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass, when they spake daily unto him, that he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matter would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did he reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai, wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. Okay, so please note, this person named Haman works his way up to the top, and so he is uh, basically the second-hand man to the king Ahasuerus. For whatever reason, uh, Haman does not want to give any kind of respect to this guy. Haman originally seeks. Well, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna rid myself of Mordecai. I'm gonna have him killed somehow. But it is made known to Haman that Mordecai is a Jew. When so Mordecai you know, says, "You know what? I'm gonna take this one step further. I'm not only gonna have Haman killed, but I'm gonna have all the Jewish people killed." So that's how this thing gets started. Verse seven. In the first month, that is the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of the king Ahasuerus, they cast pur. That is, a lot before Haman, from day to day and from month to month to the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar. Please note, that's where Purim comes from or Festival of Lots comes from. Okay, And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people, neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's prophet to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I will pay ten thousand talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of business to bring it to the king's treasury. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamadetha, the Agite, the Jew's enemy. And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee, the people also to do with them as it seemeth good to thee. Then were the king's scribes called on the thirteenth day of the first month, and there it was written to all that Haman had commanded unto the king's lieutenants and to the governors that were over every province, and to the rulers of every people of every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, in the name of King Ahasuerus was it written and sealed with the king's ring. And the letters were sent by post into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day. Even upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, and to take the spoil of them for prey. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, that they should be ready against that day. The post went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, 
And the decree was given in Shushan the palace, and the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city Shushan was perplexed. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes, and he put on sackcloth with ashes, and he went out in the midst of the city, and he cried with a loud and bitter cry. And it came even before the king's gate, for none might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In every province, whithersoever the king commanded and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it to her. Then was the king exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai, and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatach one of the king's chamberlains, who had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai unto the street of the city, which before the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all of that had happened unto him, and of the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also he gave him a copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should not go unto the king to make supplication unto him. I'm sorry. Gave it the decree to her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him, and to make request before him for her people. And Hatak came, and he told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again Esther spake unto Hatach, and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether a man or a woman, shall come unto the king, into the inner court, who is not called, therefore, is one law of his to put him to death, except shut to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come to the king these thirty days. All right, real quick. So the decree goes out to all the provinces. It's been scribed in every language so that everybody can see clearly what's going to happen. But there's a day coming soon that all the Jews are going to be destroyed. Mordecai, along with all the other Jews and all the other provinces, are fasting and praying. They've put sackcloth on, which is a it's both both doing the ashes and the sackcloth and fasting is to humble oneself before God. That's the purpose of it. And it's, finally, it's made known to Esther and Mordecai says, you've got to go into the king and make supplication for your people. And she, her response is, well, I can't because no one's allowed to go into the inner court unless they are summoned by the king. And in fact, the law says that if somebody comes to him who's not that he's not asked for, and it, if he doesn't extend his scepter, meaning he accepts them, then they are to be put to death for coming unannounced and uncalled for. And she says, and he hasn't called me in 30 days. Okay, so that's where we're at in the story. We're almost done for this morning. And they told Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou hast shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, 
Then shall there an enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who know whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Please note, obviously that's the most famous line in all of Esther. He's saying, who knows? Maybe the whole point, maybe your destiny, maybe your whole reason for existing is for this moment. God has put you in the perfect place at this time to be the answer to the prayers of all the Jews across all the provinces of Persia who are fasting and praying that they would be delivered from this. Who knows if this is your destination, your predestination from God, your destiny. Verse 15, Then Esther bade the women, bade them return to Mordecai this answer. So here's her response. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me. Neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maids will fast likewise, so we, so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. And that is where we're going to end for this morning. So, Esther's response after hearing those words of Mordecai, after hearing like, hey, one way or another, deliverance is coming. Don't think that you're going to escape just because you're the queen. This may be the purpose of your existence. And her response is, fine. Please fast and pray. Do not eat. Do not drink for three days. Myself and the, my servants, we will not eat and we will not drink for three days. And we're going to pray, seeking God's favor and mercy. And then I'm going to go into the king even though I haven't been called. And if I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. And that is how chapter 4 ends. Lord willing, uh, probably on Wednesday, we will read the second half of this amazing book, this amazing story of the book of Esther. I hope that you've been blessed this morning. And uh, I thank you for your support and your prayers, which I could not do this without. Peace and grace be with all of you, and until next time, God bless.